0: Welcome to Louder Than Words, the podcast that's about ideas that improve lives. I'm Jules Pretty. In this episode, we're talking about nature and physical activity, how structures and places can shape our levels of activity, how natural places and activities can actually be therapeutic, and how places keep us well, how activity keeps us well in some sort of way. It's my great pleasure to welcome our guests today from the School of Sport, Rehabilitation and Exercise Sciences here at the University of Essex, Ruth Lowry and Paul Freeman, Um, each a psychologist working in disciplines of sport, activity, nature, craft. Let's start like this then. The modern world has brought great medical, transport, technological and communications advances, yet also ills of affluence, if we can put it that way. Uh, We're less active on average, even more so in the last couple of years. Um, And you've both worked on projects and programs designed to increase activity and also social engagement and to shift habits that we hope will last for a long time. So a couple of questions. What went wrong for us and why do we need these kinds of interventions? Ruth, would you like to have a go at that?
1: Okay, I'll go to start. <laughs> um, so, in in terms of what went wrong, there's there's evidence from um, various scholars that would say that people are are doing jobs that are much more sedentary than they were before. That people are working longer hours and therefore they're taking less breaks and they're they're moving less. Um, a lot of of what we do is techno- technologically based, and therefore we're fixed to a screen. And I think people would appreciate that given the. Um, the increased need for that over the pandemic, um, that, that they've become even more fixed and rooted to a seat in front of a screen. So that would be one reason.
2: You stole my reason. <laughs> I, I think it is true that times have changed and uh, compared to conversations from my mum and dad, their their lifestyle was very different and what I see of my children nowadays is different as, as Ruth picked up on the screens have been uh, very popular and there is that tendency to to go for the convenient screen rather than explore the outside and play in nature.
0: So we're quite clear that there have been declines in average physical activity and that some of those are generational changes they've been happening for quite a long period of time um well why do we need then interventions to help change that around
2: well in it's To look at issues around people's uh, opportunity to be active, looking at their capability and their motivation is some of the work that we've looked at in terms of what can we do to change individual behaviour but often individuals are influenced by their social environment and their community and the the places which they live and therefore it's looking at interventions that span both what we can do for individuals but also the environment we place around individuals to uh, facilitate uh, that opportunity to be active.
1: Yeah, I think it's offering them something that's different to um, activities that they could readily do within the home. So it's about, um, I mean, for, for many people, they're living in smaller houses. They they don't have access to a, a back garden, for example, where they can go out and, and do some gardening. So therefore, it's about offering them access to facilities like a allotment space or um, community gardens that they might use. It's about offering access to... Um, parks that have suitable equipment for children to use um, so that there's not that reliance on everything being self-catered that the community can then provide and especially for those that um, have less income to dispose of.
0: So we've got this kind of element of individual choice but also social shaping Mm -hmm. that we sit within a kind of wider social and cultural context which influences what we do Um, and yet a lot of the advice and guidelines is targeted at individuals who then if they are unable for some reason or another um, uh, can't uh, uh, undertake the physical activity which they might wish to do so um, they're kind of blamed for that so the so that balance between the individual and the social, is that what we're trying to kind of understand better and to intervene with um, to make a difference for people's lives?
2: Yeah, yes, um, certainly some of the work that I've been involved in, something called the Essex Local Delivery Pilot, and that's very much looking at how organisations work collectively to shape people's environment and looking at place-based solutions Uh, and so some of the work that they've uh, been involved in uh, Essex County Council are looking in areas of high deprivation looking at things such as are there cycle paths for instance to enable people um, to have the environment to feel safe to actually cycle and also looking at actually providing bikes and so there's something called the Pedal power in Essex, where it's distributing free bikes to people in areas of high deprivation, but also making sure the infrastructure is in, in, uh, in place and giving them the skills in order to be able to kind of maintain their bikes as well. Very interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, from from my perspective, the projects that I've been working with are, um, or more organic than that. So it's about the the community having, um, the solutions themselves, or having, um, opportunities that they want to explore, and therefore, the the councils or organisations working with them to help them actualise that or realise those opportunities. Um, so the community men sheds, for example, is very much a grassroots, um, organic entity that that men in particular have want. that's why they're called men sheds um, but they have wanted a space to to do workshop activities and then the drumming work that that we've done that that idea has come from people who've wanted to learn how to drum how to express themselves and therefore it's been a, been working with the schools to help realize that within the school situation
0: so let's have a look then at some some of this detail. Um, we've got um, uh, activity interventions in communities to help people become more active. We've got community gardens, men's sheds, and and also the drumming that you've been working on, Ruth. So let's take one of those to first world. Uh, the men's sheds. Um, tell us a bit about men's sheds. I know it's across four countries. So we've got experience from from the lowlands in Europe as well as here. Um, w- why did we need to? do that uh, to intervene in that way how how did you take that forward and what did we learn who benefited from that
1: okay so well the men sheds concept is much older than the project that i've been involved with so it originally started in australia and it was the idea that um we talk about an englishman's um, home as his castle or i think that's the expression or something like that um whereas in australia they regarded the shed as the man's domain uh, and you'll see lots of sort of wooden signs saying man cave and those sorts of environments but that idea that it was a protected space that a man could go and and do things that he wanted to do um, but the reality is that particularly in the UK, and that's why it's really taken off here and in Ireland, is that they don't have the space for a shed necessarily or a dedicated space that is just for them to explore. And also the types of, of jobs that they now do um, aren't necessarily using their hands. They're not more pr- practical jobs. And therefore they created these community spaces where they could go and do woodwork. So the men there, um, they they make benches and seats and bird boxes for communities or schools. Um, We have other projects which have a more employability focus. So the project has brought in um, employment coaches to help people brush up on their CVs so that they can redirect into another job that perhaps they'd never even thought about. And then within the UK where... Traditionally, still, they're older men. It's about their mental health and well-being and their physical health. So they've um, trained some of the shedders to become health champions. So they instigate conversations within the sheds with each other. And so we have many men who've talked about having their prostate checked, for example, um, or drinking more water as a result of the conversations that they've had in the shed, um, which previous to that, they never would have talked to men about. They would have been too embarrassed to.
0: Very interesting. So some impacts on the individual. So let's explore those kind of gender roles as well, because that's about men in particular for these shedders, as as you described. And what about in the kind of community gardens work, Paul? Are we seeing kind of opportunities for both men and women at different generations? Do we see those intergenerational links um, and what kind of impacts do the activities have on people themselves we'll come back to the to the sheds because i'm really interested in in that kind of mental health benefit as well
2: so in the community gardens we've been working at they do uh, target's probably the wrong word but they do welcome uh, intergenerational uh, mixing and so they they run events for school children but they also have a kind of regular team of volunteers which without wanting um to pigeonhole them are typically recently retired um but the volunteers help with some of the activities and therefore there is that mixing between generations all coming together in that community garden generally when you're outdoors you you have uh, more regular more frequent conversations uh, it gives them something to kind of share uh, and bring together and there are those social and mental benefits as well as the fact that they're being physically active
0: there was a um very popular thing in the northern mining towns and in fishing communities, where uh, men kept uh, pigeons in their backyards, um, even in the kind of densest of the cities, tiny pigeon lofts, as as this space for them to go to and just to sit amongst the pigeons. I imagine there was just some sort of escape, particularly if you just kind of made it back safely from a from a dangerous trip on the on on the trawlers. Um, he, he, tell us a little bit about that. Kind of creating the space because that's the intervention, the shed or the garden. Um, and then people engage with it. How do they change? Tell us a little bit about how that impacts upon individuals.
1: I think there's a, there's a vast range of, of ways that it can do. So some of them take on a leadership role. Um, so we have examples of people who, who retire and they, if you like, apply their management from their job to to the organisation that they then um, volunteer with so some of them it's, it's about replicating whereas other people it's about stepping up into that um, leadership role so being recognised that actually they have skills that they can bring um, so with the skills based workshops in particular and I would assume with the gardening you perhaps have somebody who would have been the doer is now then the leader so they're now shaping and mentoring people behind and that gives them you know sense of self-esteem confidence they become more vocal so they learn to communicate if they're then not just working with people of their own age that they would have before they're working with children they learn other skills about how to negotiate and mediate and (laughs) and be patient (laughs) so there's there's all of those other elements that would come into it
0: very interesting so i mean we're we're seeing a kind of interweaving of uh, doing something with other people so there's a social aspect eating together which is something that kind of we've kind of lost a lot of and we find common in many other cultures um but also skills um learning something um that actually is has some of the crafts that you've been describing ruth and i think also gardening it fits in this category as well have sometimes been called infinity games that you never finish them you all you, you know, once you've learned something, if you're interested, that may bring you in and you've got more to learn. But you never you never become such an expert Well, maybe one or two people do an um, expert in woodwork or metalwork or growing onions or, or whatever that you have nothing more to learn. In other words, it's something that could go on for the whole of your life. And that's kind of interesting because that that doesn't fit with other narratives about learning stuff. You learn, you hit the target, you stop whereas this is different it's an infinity game
1: yes i mean my my mother always tell, tells me that you never finish a garden <laughs> um you know and and if you
0: they might finish you <laughs> but uh,
1: <laughs> yes um, but there, there's that element to it that that it it, it is a living organism in many cases that that requires constant tending and and that it, it can become a creative space that you, you experiment with and one year it might be successful and another year or season it it, it might be a disaster um but yes it, it is that that idea that it never stops i think the other element is that it gives them something to talk about so rather than being in that sort of awkward situation of having nothing to talk about and so staring awkwardly at another individual it gives them that that's that sharing experience that they can draw on so it makes conversation easier for people who don't find conversation easy
0: great great well t- take us then into the to the Back to the space about physical activity. So some of this, and I'd like to hear more about the drumming in a moment, which is clearly kind of more physical than, than we've been talking about. Um, uh, what what sorts of impacts do we see on individuals when they are engaged in a kind of level of physical activity that they're not used to? So I'm not saying how much is right or wrong, but it's just more um, so it might be in that or it might be in the kind of transport examples that you were talking about Paul
2: I think going back to the community garden one of the nice things is that it, it gives people choice about what level of physical activity they they wish to engage in so if there's a there's a blackboard that has about 10 different activities that need doing that day but they range from very uh, light activities perhaps just kneeling down and weeding through to putting in fence posts and therefore people can find their own level of physical activity but when they're engaged in, in uh relatively strenuous and what's relatively strenuous for one might be different from another then they do kind of experience feelings of slightly out of breath sense of tiredness but also gives them that sense of accomplishment that they've achieved something that day whether it's pulling up the weeds through to putting in the post um, but it, it improves their physical health but also their mental health as well
0: and uh, you mentioned the mental health benefits of the the, the craft ruth is there just take us down that that line a little bit
1: I, th- I think the mental health benefits come from feeling as if you are productive feeling as if you um, you matter so that that when you turn up people um I mean I'm always taken back to that that old cheers um whenever they walk into the bar and they go norm you know that that idea of being welcomed into a space and people you know looking out for each other um, and that particularly during the pandemic has been an issue with um, some of the groups is that because they haven't been able to physically meet they have then made sure that they check in on each other and um, particularly the the older adults um, who who are more vulnerable um, so so there's that element of belonging yeah. <laughs> which can't be underestimated and then you have the idea that they are doing something that is a skill based that they get better at that they improve at that other people remark and acknowledge that they get that feedback and that then increases confidence. Um, so we talk about, in psychology, three needs. So the need to f- to feel competent, the need to have choice or autonomy in what we do, and then the need to relate to other people. And that those three basic psychological needs are what encompass, encompass people's well-being.
0: So the social context helps with that, Kind of sealing the relationships and sealing the kind of sense of belonging in the opportunities, but people have still got. We've still got to form kind of habits that we're happy with, and habits are super difficult to form.
1: Well, they can take up to six months to form. Uh, <laughs> absolutely,
0: I use a kind of uh, 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 a, um, ru- a kind of heuristic, which is fifty hours at least it's an awful lot you know you've got to be really committed you usually need help with that but when we're learning to walk and forming the habits of gait well that's just something we do but when someone says um, you should form a habit of being more physically active well it's kind of a difficult different story altogether isn't it because we've already formed our ways of living and working or eating differently or other kinds of things that that we might feel we ought to be doing but we can't quite find an angle to do that
1: there's, there's also a, a lack of acknowledgement of the way people form habits which is that they often throw themselves into something and therefore the routine when they're trying to adopt a new habit is often atypical so they they perhaps spend more time so if you think of your 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 January new year's resolution you you go at it so you you invest more time in it you you spend more time at the the gym if you like and it's not it's sustainable so people will what we call lapse so they'll have um maybe a week when that they're not feeling well um and it's about helping them back into a routine that is more sustainable so that a lapse doesn't turn into complete relapse where they go back to the, the start again that they're able to to maintain some level
0: well let's hear a bit about your drumming project then because okay. that's a that's um another example of of a, a thing that you've put in place to benefit people and um, uh, through skills, cognitive engagement, social engagement and the physical activity, clearly.
1: Yes, the the drumming project um, really came from sort of an interest of a colleague of mine so Dr Marcus Smith back at the University of Chichester and he he contacted Clem Burke from the, the band Blondie which I know probably dates us all um, but Clem, Clem is a rather um, let's say exuberant and, and very flamboyant um, drummer um, and, and so as a physiologist Marcus wanted to know what's the en- energy expenditure so if we take it right back to the start of our conversation it's about those Cardiovascular, those fitness based goals that, that you have. And through plotting, they found yes, drummers are expending the same amount of energy as a typical footballer would expend during a football match. Um, so, yeah, the strap line was um, drummers are as fit as athletes. Um, but Whenever I joined the project, um, we had a public forum meeting and what we had were lots of parents and individuals coming and saying that the reason that they drummed was um, because it was something that interested them. And when we talked to them, they were children and and parents of children with dyslexia, dyspraxia and autism. And there was a real trend emerging as well as they seem to be more left handed drummers than there were in you would expect to see in the population if it was normally um, distributed. So we we decided, right, we're going to focus on one of these. We can't do everything. We can't solve world peace. So we'll go with just a little bit of, of the jigsaw. And so we decided to tackle autism um, and, and sort of work with the autistic community to try and understand, could drumming be of benefit to them? And what we found was putting them in more than just a drumming circles, which typically use African drums or um, steel band drums. Mm. You know, the big
0: alcohol uh, uh, drum. drums. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, those ones. Um, but this was with we used electronic kits. Um, so they replicate what you would see in a band. So that acoustic set of the um, hi hat, the tom tom and the bass and everything so a, an electronic kit it all comes in at one unit with an amplifier um and and so it looks pretty spacey it looks um high tech and and the, the children just adored it so there are lots of wires and leads a bit like this studio <laughs> if you could imagine um and you go in the drumming instructor has a kit and the other Drum kits are, are put out in a circle and the children sit there, start up with, up with a couple of warm-up routines and then they go into a um, wide genre of music. So you could go in and be listening to, um, what do we have... Green onions was one track that we continually used, um, through to Michael Jackson. Um, Blondie was used a lot of Prince, um, uh, right through to more modern music. Um, so, so paint
0: us a picture of what yeah. it ha- what happens to the individuals when when they're coming in. So these are children and teens with uh, uh, forms of autism. Form,
1: yeah, uh, and that, that's that's perfectly correct that they're on a spectrum. So there there are a range of difficulties and what people. Um, often don't recognise is that they have other issues as well so they might have de- developmental delay um, or they might be shy or they, they might um, not be able to hold themselves upright. So it can be quite demanding for the instructor to, to cater to all their needs but essentially they come in and they work together whereas perhaps in the classroom they might be working one-on-one with an assistant being instructed by the, the, the teacher. Here they enjoy and they engage as a group and what you start to see are little glances on either side because with drumming with music the music doesn't stop so if you get something wrong if you miss a beat you have to pick it up and get back into it whereas with a lot of activities that we do with these particular children is we stop everything and we restart so we reset and off we go again that doesn't happen. The music doesn't stop. So what you see them do is rather than get frustrated and give up, they look around and you see them starting to nod to get back into the beat and then they're in. And... and and it's not it's not a big deal. Nobody goes, oh my goodness, you stopped. <laughs> oh my goodness, you're not you're not doing that. And
0: therefore, you failed in some sort yeah. of way. Yeah.
1: So, so their mm. their failure isn't highlighted within the group. It's recognised. This is difficult, and everybody's going to, you know, fail to pay attention or get something wrong at some stage. That's just how it works, and I think some of those elements are the the magic of what's happening is the the physicality of it the the fine motor skills the interaction but also that that sort of it's motivating um, in terms of the way, the way it works.
0: So it has the potential to be transformative yeah. in that sense. If we could kind of come back again, we've got these activities and interventions that we've been talking about that can change us, change people in some sort of way, um, hopefully change the context as well to help that last a longer time. Um, people have talked about the concept of flow. Um, and so the drummers and gardeners and the crafters are they getting into a kind of a mental space for some of that time where where just different things are happening? The worries of the world are melting away. I think we could probably imagine that more when you're physically quite actively drumming. Um, you can imagine that also the case if you're running or there's kind of high level of physical activity. But perhaps also when you're gardening and when you're working on the woodwork, you're getting into something that's drawing you in in a rather novel way than people are normally experiencing.
1: Yeah, I think we would talk more about it being an absorbing activity rather than a, a flow state and I'm conscious that Paul teaches that topic in, <laughs> in his second year module <laughs> I want to say um, so the the term flow for me is, is associated with a particular researcher so I, I don't tend to use that but I tend to talk about it's it's absorbing and, and drummers talk about being in the groove. <laughs> yep,
0: <exactly. laughs> That's how they refer to it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard the same being said, and um, we'll come to you in a moment, Paul, um, about uh, knitting groups, for example, is that, you know, it's a it's an activity, it's not particularly physical, but it's certainly cognitive, but it's also a way of kind of relaxing into doing something that has its own timescale. You know, you could, you've, if you want to work on something, you've got to carry on working on it Till you produce something or singing for example singing groups choral groups there are a number of of, of what you might call kind of craft based or cognitive based activities that you can do in groups that actually have a personal mental health benefit as well as possibly changing habits for the longer period
2: yeah i think in in the context of gardening you've got that sense of you are absorbed or immersed in the activity but it allows you to kind of be relaxed but concentrated at the same time and that that balance between, you know, not focused to, to your detriment, but you are focused in a nice relaxed kind of uh, manner and that's kind of underpinning kind of flow sense in that broadest, um, broadest sphere. If you moved away from a performance context where we might be associating the term flow with peak performance, it's really about in these type of activities we're talking about, it's that being absorbed in the moment, focused, but also relaxed at the same time.
0: So it's interesting, we've had a, a conversation about physical activity in lots of ways and hardly mentioned sport. Um, do you think that we're moving towards an understanding of physical activity as being really this this much wider concept than where most of the money goes? Uh, Most of the money goes for things called sport, especially high-performance stuff. It's a big deal if you have a gold medal. You're a kind of one winner. But there can only be a very few of those. Most people, millions, tens of millions of us, need to find ways to be doing different things. We're not going to be at that kind of level. But there's a mismatch, isn't there, between that?
1: Can Can I flip it on you, though, slightly? Because if we think of Sports England as a funder, Um, you might traditionally think that everything goes towards elite sport but actually they now have and are tasked with spending the money on a much wider remit so it is about activity for active living so it's about using activity as a vehicle um, for those physical health benefits mental health benefits and social um, societal benefits Um, so they they have a much bigger remit than they would have had in previous years where it was all about podium success
2: and certainly picking up on the work that we've been involved in, I mentioned the local delivery pilot that is funded by Sport England, and, and in Essex that one of the twelve uh, local delivery pilot sites that were funded. There's been a lot of work looking at the kind of terminology and the language used, um, and there was a campaign over that started over the summer that there was a lot of insight work into to look at the the language, the hooks for people, and really it was sport is not for everyone, but for some people off-putting, and therefore the campaign was Find Your Active. Um, not anything to do with sport and really the underpinnings of that are there are a whole range of activities going from the the drumming, the gardening through to traditional sports as well but it was really trying to encourage people to think about activity in the broadest sense and what they would find stimulating and enjoyable for them
0: This is very interesting so we need to be careful about the language um, and how we describe the activities that we have an understanding of the individual, the social, cognitive skills, um, benefits that we get from them as well. Um, but but what about the kind of bigger, the bigger picture? Let's just kind of finish by going up a level and um, just reflect on an observation that Mark Williams in Oxford, who worked at the Mindfulness Lab, um, said, he asked a question which was, um, when did you stop dancing? And he was focusing a, a, a kind of middle age or older generation when we were young pretty well everyone when they were young liked dancing at some point you know maybe very young or maybe older as well but then life intervened and we stopped and for some reason it was difficult to take up again we wouldn't do that when we're older so there are things in our life course that we were doing as it were um, well and then we stopped doing them and now we're talking about a range of interventions where we're trying to kind of start something new whether it's young people with forms of autism and drumming or whether it's community gardening so let, let's just kind of think about the bigger picture to finish off um, how do we scale these things up um, to lots more people but how do we as individuals also as it were scale them up for ourselves so that we take on things and stick with them that's a, that's a tough
2: wrapping up question yes. for a conclusion. <laughs> um, I think lots of the, the work that we've been involved in is really looking at the idea of scalability from the outset and therefore even though you might be testing something on a small scale, you're trying to understand why it works, in what context and therefore how you can then scale it but potentially as you're scaling and replicating it to different areas you will need to adapt it for local context and understanding the kind of key drives of drivers of what's made it work effectively will they be the same in the next next village or the next county or the next country even um, and understanding that sometimes yes you want to try to replicate but adapting to make sure it's effective in that new context
1: yeah i think it's starting to be reflected in the way um work is funded now so the funding for the Men's Sheds project comes from the EU Um, it comes from a strand called Interreg and what, what they tried to do was to divide Europe into different regions. Um, so we in Essex are part of what's called the Two Seas region. So that's everywhere from Norfolk through to Devon. So right along that coastal region and twin us with the coastal countries of the other side of Europe. So taking from the Netherlands right down into France. Um, and, and so saying, right, within your coastal regions, are there common solutions to common problems? Uh, And therefore, with the Men's Sheds project, it's, well, how does it work in your coastal area and how does it work in your coastal area? And can we collectively get to a better level of intelligence about what are the common solutions rather than sort of this sporadic um, piecemeal approach that, that otherwise we might have? But the other element then within funding that we see is that it's not just enough to, to propose a study that has a cliff face end date that, that part of that funding is also well what's your plan to sustain this long term and those are the questions that were been asked as researchers funders are being asked it governments are being asked it is what is the sustainability so trying to put those plans in place right at the very start.
0: Well, thank you very much indeed. Ruth Lowry, Paul Freeman, thanks a lot for that. We've we've heard that physical activity um, is good for us in lots of different ways, that the interventions that we've been talking about are ways to bring people together and to create the kind of social capital that we've talking that we were talking about that makes it easy to carry on. And that infinity games keep our brains active and give us opportunities through life. So Uh, Thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you. Thank you. That was Louder Than Words. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Have a look at the website for more information and do rate the pod if you can.